Well, this summer, we've been in a fun series because we've had the kids in with us. It's been a great chance to talk about our favorite Bible stories, and it's also been an opportunity for us as a congregation to hear from people who don't always um, have the chance to preach. And so we've heard from all sorts of different ones this summer. I've really enjoyed it. I hope you have too. It's worth going back and following them online if you missed a few weeks. And uh, we debated, should we introduce this morning's speaker? And I said, well, of course we have to introduce him because we've been introducing everybody else. Um, and so we are. So I'm very excited to introduce Noah Quinnett to you this morning. Now, Noah, oh, hold your applause just a minute. I know there's a whole cheering section right in the middle here. They're just eager. Noah and his wife, Mariah, moved to Moose Jaw from Regina almost a year ago, and he came on staff as our facilities manager. And we've been really excited to have him. He's been a great addition to the team. Noah is a longtime Kettleston camper. He even worked for them for a while. He attended Eston College at some point. And his background, I have to read this because I have to get it right, his background is as an architectural technologist. Look at that. Yes. Noah and Mariah are regular volunteers at Joe's Place. And some of you will need this bit of information. There we go. And some of you will need to know because you like to put the pieces together and figure out who's who. Noah is Merv Switzer's grandson. And Pastor Merv is actually here this morning and Mary, and we're so excited to have you with us. And so the cheering section as Noah comes. We love having Noah on our team, not just because he, you know, takes care of the mice when there's problems and the leaky roof when there's problems and all those kinds of things, but he actually brings a whole lot to our team dynamic and our prayer times and our Bible reading times. And as I was thinking about what to say about Noah, I kept having this verse from Psalm 78 come to mind, and it's where David is described as leading with skillful hands and integrity of heart. And I thought, that's just a great description of Noah. So would you join me in welcoming Noah this morning? Good morning, everyone. What is the good life? Two sad stories about two sad men who have similar names. Next slide. Let's play a game. Um... Who's, who likes games here? Yeah, great. All right. Uh, I have a volunteer. Uh, is Chris Drennan in the room? Sweet. If you can run up to the front. So we're, uh, yeah, if you want to run up here, that'd be awesome. Yeah, run. Yeah, it's the game. Um, so we're going to play a game, and this is the game I like to call, What, it, what Movie Is This? Um, this is the game I played with uh, my nieces and nephew and wife a few weeks ago where uh, somebody describes very generically a movie plot and the audience tries to guess the movie. So I'm going to do that and then I'll say, and they lived happily ever after. And the first person to stand up and guess the right title will win one of my chocolate bar prizes here. So, um, and Chris, Chris is my judge, my faithful judge, and he will see who really sit up the quickest, and um, yeah, we'll go from there. So, first movie. Uh, so, let's put my next slide here. Uh, okay, uh, so the pride, we're in the, it's the Pride Lands, um, and it's ruled by a king, and the king is killed by his brother, and uh, the king's son goes off into exile, and then becomes an adult and gets a very good motivational story, uh, a motivational return from a monkey and then goes back to the Pride Lands and uh, beats his uncle and, and lives happily ever after. 
Sure. That is correct. Well done. Okay. Uh, whatever they want. Yeah. Um, okay. Second movie. All right. So uh, it's in a galaxy somewhere, and there's an evil empire, and they're bad, and they're doing bad things. And uh, there's a group of heroes who beat the empire, and the emperor dies, and the heroes live happily ever after. Go. Yep. Correct. Correct. Yeah, this side is doing great. Okay, last question. Okay, we're not in space anymore. We're in a, instead we're in like a fantasy world with elves and dwarves and stuff. And there's a bad guy, and he wants to take over the world and uh, end all good and green things. And, um, oh, he has a piece of jewelry that it's his favorite jewelry, and if it's thrown into fire, then he dies. So a bunch of good guys get together, and they do that, and they live happily ever after. Go. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. The caramel bar. Okay. So that's it. Thanks, Chris. Everyone give Chris an applause. Awesome judge. Yeah, no, great judge. Um, so as you've heard from Daisy, I'm Noah. What Daisy didn't mention is that I'm a huge nerd. I really like movies. I like films. Ever since I was a kid, um, those three movies I just described were like, my top three. Um, and uh, the thing about movies, especially back then, is they have a formula. They have a recipe. Uh, there's uh, a good place that's then corrupted by uh, a bad guy, a group of bad guys, and usually the bad guys like dressed really cool, like Darth Vader. Come on. Like, <laughs> there hasn't been a villain that's cooler than Darth Vader yet. Um, and then there's... <laughs> Some people disagree. Don't write emails. I, um, and uh, then there's a group of good guys who beat the bad guys. And the movie ends on a happy note. And as an audience member, you're supposed to guess, oh, yeah, like, they are living the good life now. Or they're living happily ever after. Probably getting married, having kids. And they're living happy. Um, and it's up to your imagination to... Um, guess what they do for the rest of their lives until um, said company makes a sequel movie 30 years later and it makes you feel depressed. Um, <laughs> but uh, because we're in a church right now and I, I could go on about this for an hour, uh, I really should talk about the Bible. And, um, and does the Bible have a similar movie like plot formula that the movies in the 90s had? Um, and does the Bible have, do these stories have a happily ever after ending? Well, uh, I think it's next slide now. I think, let's, let's dive into the Bible and see and find out. Um, can you know, uh, turn on the slide that says Psalms 1 and 2? Anyways, as that's being put on. Um, if you have a Bible with you, I would, um, 
welcome you to open up to Psalms 1 and 2. If you don't have a Bible, uh, there is a Bible conveniently in front of you, in the pew, right in front of you. And if you could open up to page 431 in that Bible, that'd be excellent. That's, that's correct, Psalms 1 and 2. Um, and as you're flipping through your pages to get to that spot, I'm going to do a bit of Bible nerding out here um, and uh, just talk about one of the words that we'll be reading in the text. Uh, and that word is blessed. Now, many of you have heard that word used before, maybe too often. Uh, it might make you think of Instagram culture, someone sitting in a coffee shop taking a picture of their hive latte and posting hashtag blessed, hashtag there's honey in this coffee, it's delicious, hashtag this is the good life. Um, and so to uh, get away from, to, to have a more clear understanding of what blessed is, blessed in Hebrew is the word esher, which means happy or prosperous. And it's supposed to indicate like, like a quality of life that you'll have. If you're blessed, you have a, a certain quality of life. And so for the purpose of better understanding this text, I'm going to, instead of saying blessed, blessed is, I'm going to say the good life belongs to. And so it'll, it'll be on the slides if, if it's hard to follow along. So let's dive in. We ready to get into the Bible? Amen. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, I had a pre-agreement with my family. Every time I do this, they would all say amen. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, I'll just start reading. Uh, Psalms 1. So the good life belongs to the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked, or stand in the way the sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they, whatever they do prospers. Oh, that's some good living. But not so with the wicked. They are like a chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Psalm 2, next slide. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion my holy mountain. I'll proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I've become your father. Ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss his son, or he will be angry, and your way will lead to your destruction, for his wrath can flare up in a moment. The good life belongs to all who take refuge in him. There's a lot in that, 
And if you're not a fan of poetry, this, that was probably like staring at paint curing. But I'll give, it, I'll give this a quick summary. Now, Psalm, this would have been written by David um, a long time ago. And this is a description of a recipe of how the biblical narrative goes. And I like to call it the uh, good life sandwich. So starts talking about the good life, Psalms 1, says the good life belongs to, and then it ends with, the good life belongs to um, all those who take refuge in him. And in the middle, the meat and the lettuce and whatever, um, it's describing people who see God's anointed, his chosen one, who's going to rule over all creation, people who are joining him and taking refuge in him, things are going good for them, but the people who are refusing him and would think that they would be a better king instead and would rather not sacrifice what they have, um, for them, they are like chaff blowing in the wind. Let's play another game. It's, it's uh, less participation, but you can play it in your head or text your friend across the room. I know you guys text in service. Don't, don't lie to me. <laughs> um, so th this game is called what? Uh, this game is called is this the good life? And for my friends who are joining on the podcast, um, these are images, so I'll have to best describe with words what's going on. So uh, next slide. So this is a picture of Scrooge McDuck, the classic Disney character, jumping into his pile of money in the vault that's in his house. Is this the good life? Next slide. This is a picture of, uh, uh, I call them Bradagonia and Chattagonia. They're the Patagonia bros. Uh, they sold everything uh, and quit their jobs to buy a $100,000 van and equip it with, uh, well, they bought some Patagonia, which is high-end clothing, um, uh, along with their $50 Bot, uh, Yeti bottle opener and their $700 Yeti cooler. The simple life, they say. <laughs> also that they could live in the woods or down by a river living in a van. <laughs> um, is this the good life? A life of adventure? Next, next yeah, there you go. That's it. Uh, this is uh, Tom Cruise hanging off of an airplane several thousands of feet in the air filming his next uh, Mission Impossible movie. This is not photoshopped. Like, this is real. Um, movies are real for him. And uh, a man who has lived on the edge his whole life does his own stunts. A man who has a bunch of fame and his movies do pretty well. Minus the Scientology stuff, is he living the good life? Uh, my mother-in-law, Holly, she's actually here, and she's probably... Really upset. I'm just calling her out right now. She jumped out of a plane. Um, so parts of that might... Yeah, anyways. Uh, speaking of mothers, next slide. A mom in the 90s. Is this the good life? Uh, on the right, you have a boy who's pretty content and happy to be on Santa's lap. Left side, you have a boy who's... He wants to be anywhere else except there. And then the poor mother who's trying to keep it all together. Cool on the outside, but on the inside, she is 
deeply regretful that she left the house that day and attempted to get a good Christmas picture, foiled yet again. And Santa, who's, this is the last year he's ever going to be Santa, he's not showing up to work tomorrow. Um, this mother's actually in, is also in this sanctuary right now, and if you want to ask her whether this is the good life, feel free afterwards, buy her a Diet Coke, because she well deserves it. <laughs> Moving on from pictures to the stories I'm supposed to tell. Uh, and keeping the same question in mind, is this the good life? Meet Jonathan. Jonathan was an Israelite who lived in Israel a few thousand years ago. He lived in the times of Israel that had their very first king. And Israel was always at battle with their neighbors. Jonathan, he had good stuff going for him. He was really good with war and fighting. Like, he was really good with a sword. He would have been like the equivalent of Aragorn back in the day, or Captain America, or whatever pop culture reference you might understand. Um, he, he was great. He also was the son of the king, so he had that going for him, and when his father pa would pass away, he would be next on the throne. Jonathan's favorite snack was honey. After a big battle with the Philistines, he would get his sugars back up by eating some wild honey, which is, yeah, that's his thing. This is like fun facts. I don't know if you ever played icebreaker games. Um, and finally, Jonathan, Jonathan, he delighted in the word of the Lord, and he meditated on it day and night. If you still have the Psalms open in front of you, that might ring a bell somewhere. Jonathan was living the good life. There was one problem, though, and that problem was his dad. His dad, I mean, he was a good king at first, but um, he knew the law but didn't delight in the law of the Lord. And he didn't meditate on it. Really, the only time he would use the law is when you'd make a really silly oath on behalf of the people or make a meaningless sacrifice so that he could manipulate God to get what he wanted. Um, okay, and this would usually be a curse to the people of Israel. I have a good example. Uh, one time, Israel was at war with the Philistines. That was their neighbors, and they were always back and forth with battles. And, and the, the battle was going good, because the Lord was with the Israelites, and they were winning. But Saul, Saul's watching the battle, and he's like, ooh, I don't know if we were actually going to win this one. It would be a good idea if I just made a decree that all Israelites are not allowed to eat or drink until we win this battle. That would really impress God. And then uh, we'd have a nice banquet after. But, but if anyone eats before the battle is won or before the war is over, they'll be cursed to death. Oh, are you sure about that, Saul? I don't know if you've ever been in a UFC match or done any jousting, but eating is pretty important. Saul condemned people to eat in the land of milk and honey. Anyways, they won the battle. Jonathan accidentally broke the rule. He ate his honey. You know, he's, he has a post-workout routine that he has to follow in. And, um, but they win the battle, but Saul continues to do this. 
continues to make sacrifices so that he can do whatever he wants, thinking that God would uphold his rule and reign. But God can see through it. See, Saul is like a husband who would only buy flowers for his wife when he wants to buy a really expensive truck or fill in the blank. But God saw that and wasn't having that. And so trouble was coming for Saul. And God chose a different king. Um, he chose David. And I already talked about David. He's the guy who wrote this, the Psalms we went through. Uh, and there is, this is where the drama picks up. Because David worked for Saul. He was his lead musician. And Saul treated him like a son. Jonathan, Jonathan was best friends with David. They went way back. So things are getting sticky. And so what does Jonathan do? Jonathan, because he hangs out with the Lord, finds out that uh, David was chosen as king, which means that Jonathan won't be king. And so Jonathan takes his sword at hand. He takes his armor, brings it to David, and lays it at his feet. And seeing that David is the anointed chosen king, will follow him to the rest of his days. Saul, on the other hand, takes his spear, goes up to David, and hurls it as hard as he can at David three times and chases him like a dog into the desert. God's not having any of that. And so one day, the Philistine army comes knocking on Saul's door, and he's defeated in battle and dies. But not just Saul, Jonathan. Jonathan dies. A righteous man dies on behalf of the sin of an evil king. Is this the good life? Meet John, or John the baptizer, as many would call him. He lived in Israel a few hundred years after the story I just read. Um, Israel at this time didn't have an official king. Um, they were ruled by Roman occupation and things were hard. And, but Israel was waiting for their Messiah, another anointed king that would come in David's line. And there was prophecies and they were waiting. So John lived in this time. John was a son of uh, a priest. And John would have had the option to become a priest, to live a, a good life, be well-fed, have a certain occupation that was well-looked upon. But John, he threw that all away to go live in the desert. Instead of priestly gowns, he wore camel hair. Now, camels, if you don't know, Israelites saw them as an unclean animal. So he was wearing the opposite gown of what he would have worn. John lived, he also liked honey. That was one of his favorite snacks. Ate it with a side of grasshoppers, which if you're a farmer in this room, and you've seen the plague that's been just wrecking Saskatchewan of grasshoppers, I can't foresee anyone eating those vile creatures, but okay, um, that's besides the point. Um, so, John looked like a crazy desert guy. But when he spoke, he sounded like the prophets of old. Like an Elijah, that Israelites would be like, oh, that's, a, 
He's like one of those old prophets that we're, we've all been listening to. Some even thought that maybe he was the coming king, that he was the Messiah. Another thing about John is that he delighted in the word of the Lord, and he meditated on it day and night. Uh, so he is living the good life. Let's talk about what could have been his employers had he been a priest. Um, now, the Sanhedrin, which made up of the Pharisees and Sadducees, they knew the law of the Lord, but they did not delight in it. For them, they saw the law as a way to make God happy, and, and maybe one day, if they do enough sacrifices or make enough oaths, that uh, the Roman Empire would fall or they would win a great battle and they would have a high position on top of Israel. Or maybe if they did enough good things that God wouldn't send another army to destroy them. So they enacted these sacrifices and these oaths on the people, which were more of a curse than a blessing. Um, Here's a good example. Uh, One day there is a group of disciples who were following a renowned teacher of the time. They're hungry and poor, eating in a field. Um, they're eating tops of the grain head in a wheat field. Um, and uh, it was the Sabbath. It was a Sabbath day, and the Pharisees saw what they were doing, and they, instead of having pity on their hungry kinsmen, they rebuked them. Like, teacher, why are you letting your teachers defy the Sabbath? They're working. And uh, they were cursing Israelites from eating from the land of milk and honey. It's kind of like another guy we were just talking about. I don't know if he remembers that. but Like chaff in the wind. One day, John is preaching in the desert. And he's, there's a whole congregation in front of him, much greater than what's in front of me right now. And people are in awe and inspired. And he's preaching a message of repentance to turn from the law, to turn from the system that the teachers of the time were upbuilding for their own selves and to come back to their first love, to their first God. And um, he's preparing the way for the coming Messiah. In comes Jesus, and which is his cousin. And as everyone's listening intently to John, he points to Jesus in the back of the room and says, this is the guy. That's the guy I've been talking about since day one. He's not, I'm not even worthy to take off his own sandals. Me, this prophet, not worthy to do that. Um, follow him. John baptizes Jesus, and the words that ring in Psalms 2, um, this is my begotten son, in him I'm well pleased, are rung in the heavens. John gives everything to Jesus. His credibility, his fame, his career, his disciples, even his disciples follow Jesus because John knows that he's the anointed one. Um, and this is the good life giving it all to him. Now, the Sanhedrin, on the other hand, they saw Jesus as a problem. They thought, oh, this guy, he's, uh, he's, he's going to start riots or something. He's going around 
looking like a king. I don't know, this is not good. So they try to kill him. They look for ways to, to put him down. John preaches one more message. And uh, it was after King Herod, the puppet king of Israel, uh, he cheated on his brother's wife. And John proclaimed it to all to hear. John was arrested, thrown into a deep pit, and was executed. Not able to see his cousin, the one he gave everything to, ascend the throne. Is this the good life? (laughs) Days later, Jesus would face, or sometime later, Jesus would face a similar problem. Pharisees would, the Pharisees and the Roman government would hang him on a cross, a worse death than what John faced. But three days later, Jesus is back. And he's eating breakfast with people. And he's, people are seeing him. Death had not won. And this is a similar hope that John and Jonathan will one day see. That resurrection is to come for them. That they, Jonathan will one day see the guy that he gave everything to give everything to Jesus. John the Baptist, he will see his cousin in front of a repented Israel, kneeling before him. But not just Israel, but all the nations. These stories, they're not a happily ever after story like we hear in the Disney movies, but they're cliffhangers. And we still have to see, we have still yet to see the ending. So what's the answer to the question I've been asking this whole time? What is the good life? My friends, the good life is being with Jesus. Either, and that's today, tomorrow, and forevermore in the end times, in the resurrection. That is our hope. It's a hard word to digest sometimes. I'm assuming some of you are thinking, well, Noah, how can I maintain this idea that I'm living the good life in Christ when I'm struggling with anxiety or depression or I have an addiction or, I don't know, there's a war in Ukraine going on right now. There's believers in Christ there. How do they see that they're living the good life in Christ? And what about this AI thing? Like, Is that going to take over my job? How do I see Jesus in that? And there's a recession, maybe? Some people, the news has been talking about that, at least. And how am I supposed to have hope, maintain hope in a time like that? And COVID happened, which split my friends and my family. And I don't know how I'm supposed to keep hope of a resurrection when I'm really going through fire right now. And... It's a muscle that you need to stretch. It's a practice you need to maintain. And um, the takeaway I want to leave with you guys today is honey. Jonathan, after a huge battle, 
would replenish himself with honey. John the Baptist, after being in the scorching heat, would eat honey. Honey is this magical substance that we don't seed or plant or water, but it's there and it's amazing. It's like it's from heaven, like it's so good. And I know, don't, I know it's from bees. Like, I get it. Don't, please don't email me. <laughs> um, but in the biblical narrative, honey represented God's good abundance, which is amazing and it's a good gift, something that we don't have to work for. And so what practice can we do that we don't we can just watch and enjoy and cuz enjoying god's abundance sabbath one day a week we don't work trusting that god has an abundance for us that we don't need to work for i understand that uh our traditional view of Sabbath has changed over the years, and, and some of you might have a different idea of what Sabbath means. Um, for some of you, Sabbath is wake up really early, rush to church, then uh, go leave church, get groceries, and then paint the baseboards or something, go home, and start pack your lunch for work the next day and, and try to sleep. Um, some of you see Sabbath as a day that the library was closed in Bible college and you weren't able to get your paper done on time. <laughs> it's not really a blessing, Brian Fuller. Uh, <laughs> um, Sabbath is a day to rest. And I know it's, it's tempting to be like, oh, it's just easier to work more to get this job done. And oftentimes, we feel like we don't deserve a day just to, to stop working, and that we need to earn it. And we curse ourselves from resting in the land of milk and honey. Do you hear what I'm saying? Do you hear the pattern that's being described in the biblical narrative? So, my friends, I invite you, if you want to practice enjoying and seeing that the good life is in Christ, to take one day a week to rest. And this is what I do I, on Saturdays. I, so I, we do, I do Sabbath on Saturdays. I sleep in. Um, my wife and I go on long walks. I read uh, Lord of the Rings or a book that I enjoy. Um, I avoid my phone or anything that gives me like a huge amount of anxiety. So I throw my phone in the drawer because I don't want to see any news. Um, I prioritize the people in my life and, and, um, and I prioritize the Lord and the things that I enjoy. And in doing that, I found that, wow, the good life is in Christ. The people that are, I'm surrounded by, the friends that I have, the creation that God has put us in. And I'm living in abundance. And when Wednesday comes around and I'm exhausted and ceiling tiles are falling from the ceiling and <laughs> the list could go on, I don't have time. Um, I think Sabbath is coming. There is a hope. Sabbath is coming. 
Um, and for many of you, the Sabbath might look differently. That's okay. You might have four kids. Maybe it's playing catch in the backyard or um, making a really big cookie in the oven. Or, or maybe you're a bachelor and you don't, like, you don't have a wife or kids with you. Maybe that's going for a good conversation with your best friend. The list is endless. So I'm going to end today. Uh, I'm really behind on my slides. Wow, that's good. To rest one day a week, eat honey, and to taste and see that it is good in Christ. You'll be like a tree planted by a river, which leaves do not wither, and its fruit will come in its season. Regardless of the fires of today, you will prosper. And that, my friends, is the good life. Uh, band can come up. I'll end in prayer. Your Heavenly Father, everything that I hold on to, that I try to elevate myself, all the work that I try to do to get your favor, Lord, I repent of. May, I, may we truly see that you are the good life. Regardless of the fires, regardless of the hard times and the trials, that we would stand firm in you and see the good and the abundance that is right in front of us, Jesus. In your name, amen.